0: Amen. All right. Oh, man, it's all squeaky up here. Thanks, Ryan. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, we're uh, continuing in a series that we started a few weeks back entitled Making Change. Making Change. And uh, uh first change we can make is that uh, if the kids that are in here, four years old through fourth grade, if they want to make their way down to a uh, youth church, uh, they can do that, the kids' church, and uh, the rest of us, well, you're stuck with me. So... Uh, here's the deal. We started a few weeks back uh, talking about changing America. Could uh, We talked about the uh, founding fathers and uh, the fact that the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, they knew who Jesus was and that uh, there is uh, significant evidence that uh, when they formed our nation, they were leaning into uh, biblical values and they desired uh, to have a nation that would be uh, acknowledging the fact that we are uh, endowed by our creator, that uh, he's the one that put us here. And, and then the next week we talked about uh, change my mind. And I kind of held up a blueprint and said, uh, "There's a uh, when the builders build according to the blueprint, everything goes well. When all of the contractors show up and do whatever they want, they don't build according to the blueprint, it doesn't go so well. Uh, we said that the Bible is our blueprint and that we should live. And we said change our mind and adhere to that. If you are here last week, we talked about change my church. This morning, we're going to talk about change my Family. Change my family. Some of you looking around right now going, yeah, I wish I could change some of my family, right? Right? You know, you get up and swap them out, right? Change my family. We're going to talk about changing my family. And uh, here's what we need to understand about changing the family is that uh, God is the one who put into place family. Here's a great question. Why in the world did God set up this idea of family? Why did God create the idea of family? Think about it. When you look to nature, when you look to nature, there's no family out there in nature, really. Uh, you know, the, it takes one bull and uh, the entire, all the cows, right? One bull and, the other, and that's not family. That's not family. You don't, uh, ladies, you don't want your husband acting like that. I know that for a fact, right? And um, that's that's nature. You look at, you know, one buck and all of the does that are out there, right? That's not family. Uh, and, uh, and so you look at nature and then, then all of a sudden you look at, at the human beings and uh, how God has put all of that together. And family is very different for humans than it is for nature. God set that up. Why is that so? Why is that? Here's why. I want you to understand this. That the reason that God did that is why did God create the idea of family? Here's why. Because family, when it is done right, got to repeat that, when it is done right, family, when it is done right, is the best support system for a person. It's the best support system for a person. Uh, you know that that's true. Uh, we're, we're talking primarily this morning about the nuclear family, mom, dad, and the kids. But, uh, if you're not living in a situation where there's mom, dad, and the kids at home, maybe your family, maybe the family that you're a part of would be a church family. Maybe the family that you're a part of would be a work family. Uh, maybe it's some of the neighborhood uh, that gets together. Next kind of a family. The principles that we are talking about this morning would apply to any group like that. But primarily, we're talking about the nuclear family. The mom, dad, and the kids. Change my family. Why did God do that? Because he knows that the best support system for family is the nuclear family. Now, some people would say, well, you don't know my family. You don't know my family. My family was a a train wreck. The, The wheels were falling off the car. That thing was a disaster all of the time. It was just chaotic, and it was a mess. And here's what we know, that we have an enemy working against us. There is a thing called the devil, and it's real. The devil is real, and he is always trying to break down the family. Trying to he's trying to crush it up, trying to mix it up, and so you you pay attention to the media today, and and uh, you look at the things that are trending in pop culture, and you can see they as attack on the a family after attack on the family after attack on the family, and so God has a plan and He has a way, and that He wants the family to conduct itself. We're going to talk about that, but here's what I know: some some of the families that you grew up in, well, they they were kind of a messy. anybody watch uh, Everybody Loves Raymond? Ever ever watch Everybody's Love, and uh, watch this clip, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, Everybody Loves Raymond, watch this. Maybe that's, maybe that's the kind of family you grew up in, and uh, families, uh, they can be chaotic for all kinds of reasons, can't they? But uh, what I want to do is put up kind of a definition up here on the screen that we can sort of strive towards, and here is a, here's a definition of a loving family, a definition of a loving family. A loving family is a family that creates an environment of joy and peace and optimism, Grace and encouragement, no matter what is happening inside or outside of the family. Just look at that for a minute. A family that creates an environment of joy and peace and optimism, a grace and encouragement, no matter what is happening inside or outside of the family unit. Some of you read that and you think, well, that that that's not the home that I grew up in. Others of you say, you know what? A lot of those characteristics are there, but the family dynamic is just that it is very uh, dynamic. If you're uh, raising uh, uh, kids that are in uh, uh, junior high, early high school, there's this thing uh, that's called puberty, and there are hormones, and all of a sudden that kid that you uh, you grew up, uh, raising through elementary, you like that kid, you like that kid, and all of a sudden, yeah, I don't like that kid anymore. Now, now kids, uh, they they do. Love you, but you have changed, right? And so there's dynamics there that are just uh, sort of off-putting, and and these things kind of enter into a family. And then there's things uh, like uh, uh, drama that takes place, and and uh, you know, mom and the daughters, and maybe they'll go after it, or uh, there's kind of uh, there's a push and a pull between fathers and sons as to who's going to be in charge, and and there's chaos, and and all of these things that enter into family. And so how does one uh, get to that place where a loving family is that place that creates? an environment of joy and peace and optimism and grace and encouragement. And no matter what is taking place inside or outside of the family, how do you get there? How do you get there? Well, that's what I want to talk about just for a little bit this morning as how we get there. Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, um, every one of us has some kind of a family. Uh, Father, some of us know exactly who our biological mom and dad are, and and we know them and we love them. Uh, Father, some of the people uh, in the room, uh, they're not sure who those people even are. Uh, Father God, we know that uh, there is dysfunction around us, and there is heartbreak and distress. Uh, Father, we also know that there is love. Father, we ask that you will draw us near to you, our heavenly Father, and you teach us, and you draw us near to you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, and amen. Family, you got some notes there you can write in your bulletin, some things I want you to know about family, so go ahead and write this down, a loving family goal is not write that down a loving family goal is not it is not a perfect family there is no such thing as a perfect family it does not exist in fact you want to know where you can read a lot about completely dysfunctional families you know, there's a book that is written that covers more dysfunctional families and broken families than maybe any other book has written. And when you pick up your Bible and you begin to read about biblical families, you will understand that they are a mess. What was the first family? Well, who were the first two people that were that God created? Adam and Eve, right? You would think, well, God created them. It would be complete and perfect harmony always, right? Well, then Eve wanders off and she's tempted by the serpent right and then she comes back and entices her husband into making a bad choice and there's brokenness there who were who were Adam and Eves who were the first two kids born to Adam and Eve their names were what? Cain and Abel. Do you know that story? Cain killed Abel. He murdered him, dead. And so if you are still alive, that means maybe your sibling was not as bad as Adam and Eve's, they write their first kid siblings. And so the thing is, is that it was broken and dysfunctional from the very beginning. All kinds of stories in the Bible about dysfunction and brokenness over and over and over again. There were rich families in the Bible. There were poor families in the Bible. There were affairs that took place in in families in the Bible. There were murders that took place in families, and there was jealousy, and there were single moms, and there were angry dads, and there was dysfunction after dysfunction after dysfunction in all of these families that are inside of uh, the Bible. Remember, the, uh, the Bible tells us that King Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. He had many, many sons, but upon his death, his son Jeroboam And Rehoboam, they were just at each other's throat to who was going to take dad's throne in the kingdom. You would think the wisest man to ever live would have had the perfect sons. But there was dysfunction there. A loving family goal is not a perfect family. There's no such thing as a perfect family. They don't exist. And so listen to this. A loving family goal is not a perfect family. And a loving family goal is not write this down a redo of the home that you grew up in a redo of of the home that you grew up As Some of you don't, you want anything to do with the home that you grew up in. Others of you think your family was perfect and you want to push all of that perfectness onto your spouse so that they will fall into line and do things the way you think that they should do, right? And there's a battle there also. And so a perfect family is not a redo of the home that you grew up in. It's not what you're looking for. It's not what you're after. Listen, um, maybe you didn't grow up in that perfect family, but you can have a great family. Maybe you you grew up in a dysfunctional place, but you can have an outstanding and an awesome and a great family. How? How is that possible? Why? Why is that possible? Here's why. Because God is real. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to forgive us of our sins, and to remove those sins from us, and help us by giving us a church where we can lean into the lives of brothers and sisters who have been forgiven, and we can own the fact that we do things wrong, and we can get encouragement to do things right, and to know that our sins are forgiven, and they are washed away, and that Jesus changes lives, and he changes people, and he changes parents, and that Jesus is in the Jesus is in the, let's change the family business. So maybe there's some change that needs to be made. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says, God made him, Jesus, his own son, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, when we do what Connor did this morning and we give our lives to Christ, we say, I want to die to my old way of life. I want to be raised to live a brand new life where my sins are gone and now I live for Jesus. When we do that, Scripture tells us that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We become righteous in other people's eyes. Look at us and say, you're doing things different, aren't you? Because we've been transformed by Jesus. God removes our sin so that we can live free from it. And we can rewrite the way we do our life. A loving family goal is not a perfect family. There's no such thing. A loving family goal is not a redo of the family that you grew up in. A loving family goal would be more along the lines, I want to be the person that Jesus wants me to be. Write this down. A loving family is formed by, there's two things that a loving family is formed by. You ready? Two things that a loving family is formed by. A loving family is formed by what we say and how we serve. A loving family is formed by what we say and how we serve. What are you saying to the people in your family? How are you serving the people in your family? Listen, this is biblical. Here's what the book of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says. Listen to this. The tongue can bring death or life. The tongue can bring death or life. When this was originally written, it was written in Hebrew, and the word death in the word Hebrew brings with it this definition it can bring ruin or pestilence or a debilitating disease. Say, everybody, everybody say this one say, pestilence. Pestilence—that's a good one, right? And so when you're when you're saying unkind words in in your family, and as you hear unkind words, you get to look at them and say. Bringing pestilence into my home, right? And so, and, but listen, if you say unkind things and then they get the right to look at you and say, don't be bringing that pestilence into my home, right? You don't want that, right? And so listen, what does, what does death mean when it says the tongue can bring death or life? It can bring death. It means a ruin or pestilence or it means a debilitating disease. Our words can spread disease. Words can seem small and insignificant, but they can hurt. ever got caught up in gossip? Have you ever learned that people that you like, you ever learned that people that you like were talking about you to somebody else behind your back in a disparaging way? How'd that feel? You didn't like it. You didn't like it. Getting caught up in gossip. You know, gossip and rumors. Rumors are horrible. And most of uh, most of social media is kind of gossipy and rumory and, and telling uh, half of the story, just telling the dark parts of it. And tell me that that doesn't wreck people. It wrecks people. Are you familiar with the term mobbing? Do you know what mobbing is? Maybe you've been mobbed at work. And that's you go to work and you you think everything is good, but then you discover there's a few people over here that don't like you. And so they tell these people over here not to like you, and then they tell these people over here not to like you, and all of a sudden you start to go to work and you realize you have been mobbed and that people want you to be gone because of some rumor or something or some group of people, and that's death. Those are words that bring death. And what are we talking about? We're talking about a loving family as formed by what we say and how we serve what we say. And Proverbs tells us it can bring death or it can, our words can also bring life. It says our words can bring life. Think about it. Life in the original language. It means nourishment and revival. Our words can bring nourishment and revival. It can lift our spirits and make us feel good. I'm going to put on the screen here some words that everybody loves to hear. People love to hear these things. These are words that give life, Life life-giving words that we all want to hear. Look at this. Here's a list of them. I'm sorry. Please. I love you. Let me help. Great job. I'm praying for you. We're proud of you. I appreciate you. I forgive you. You are beautiful. Some of you never heard anything like that when you were growing up. And on the rare occasions that maybe you have heard it, it touches you deeply in your heart. I have good news. You have the opportunity to share words that give life in your home. I'm sorry. Please, I love you. You can say those words in your home. You can communicate those things. I'm proud of you. I appreciate you. How can I help you? I want to come alongside you. I care about you. We can say life-giving words. A loving family is formed by what we say and how we serve. How we serve. How we serve. How we serve. Put others first. Clean up after yourself. Don't assume others will take care of you. And don't look for ways to be served, but look for ways to help. Ask this great question. What do you need? What do you need? How can I help you? What do you need? Is there something I can do for you? Tell me that that does not begin to transform the way that your family conducts itself making change, having a family that God would look at and say they're doing it my way, they're following my blueprint, but in the way that we speak and how we serve this is what the book of Matthew tells us, chapter 20, maybe you remember the story that uh, uh, James and John their mom goes up to uh, uh, Jesus and and she's jockeying for position uh, for uh, her kids and she goes up to Jesus and says uh, Jesus promised me that uh, uh, after the kingdom of heaven comes into play that you are going to put my kids James and John in places of authority in the kingdom of heaven and do you remember what Jesus said in response to that the book of Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 says the son of man that's Jesus speaking the son of man did not come to be served but to serve that's what he said I didn't come here to be served I came here to be a servant and so in your home you have to ask yourself am I a servant listen to this Serving is the cure to selfishness. Serving is the cure to selfishness. And so, do you want to have a loving family? A family that cares for each other and that creates an environment of joy and peace and optimism and grace and encouragement no matter what is happening inside or outside of the family, the way that we go about doing that is not trying to have a perfect family, no such thing, but it's in the way that we speak to one another, the way that we serve one another. Now, write this down. There's a must. There's an absolute must in every family. This is essential. It's a requirement. It doesn't work unless it exists. Write this down. A loving family must is reconciliation. Reconciliation. Car show's coming up. Did you know the in is coming up? Cruise is coming up. Anybody? A, I said this last year. It's a great opportunity for you to go, Honey. We should support the church, and we should take that uh, 1965 Mustang that we don't own yet, but we're going to get before the cruise in, so that we can go to the cruise in. Right? That's a great opportunity. You know what? There's probably never been a Ferrari, never been a Ferrari at the cruise in before. This is your opportunity. Say, honey, we're going to pick up a Ferrari before the cruise in because we want to go there. We want to support the work of the church, right? And so, but listen, uh, what's going to happen when you come to the cruise in? You're going to see a lot of cars that are old, right? You're going to see old cars, you see cars with. 40s. I see cars from the 50s and the 60s. You know, and you're going to see older cars, and then maybe maybe there's going to be some pictures there when you're looking at those cars and see some pictures of what they used to look like. Right? It was a barn find. Had uh, holes rusted through it. The tires were flat. The whole thing needed to be reworked. Every nut and bolt and part had to come out of that thing. Had to redo the motor. Even had to put air in the tires. Right? Had to do all of those technical things. Right? And so, and what what happened there? They reconciled that car from a state of brokenness. To a state of renewal and perfection. That's reconciliation. That's reconciliation. That's what God does to us. Is looks at us as you're rusty and broken. Good thing I am in the business of reconciliation. We can fix that. We can change that. We can make you new in your family. Listen to this. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eighteen through nineteen says, "All this is from God." Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, we look at other people that are broken and hurting, we say, hey, I, want, I got some bondo here. Want, we're we're gonna try and cover that one up. We're coming alongside each other. We're gonna buff out uh, you know, uh, that, that scratch and we're gonna do a little bit of body work here. We're gonna do some improvements under the hood there. We're gonna to come together and we're gonna try us to make us all more like Jesus. That's what it says. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. You got a dent? It's okay. He's not holding against you. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. Think about this. We are to lovingly seek forgiveness and reconciliation and speak kindness and serve. That's family. That's family. When we get together, should speaking words that lift up and do not tear down, looking for opportunities for ways to serve others and restore them and make them new. Why would we do that? That's exactly what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did for us. And he says, you go and do that for others. You help them. You come alongside them. Guess what? Jesus did it first. Jesus did it first. Always be the first. Be the one. Be the one. When you get in the spat in your home, be the first one to seek reconciliation. When there's dishes that need to be done, be the first one to get there and help with the dishes or start doing the dishes. Laundry needs to be done, be the first. Jump in there. Serve your family. You want to change your family? Think about the words you speak and the way that you serve. Jesus did. Jesus did. And he did it for us. Jesus has every right to look at us and say, you don't always do what I want you to do. A lot of times the things you say, I don't even like those things. You're, you, really, uh, uh, compared to my standard of how I would like you to be, uh, you're a broken mess, and tell me that Jesus couldn't say that about every one of us. That's not what he does. He says, I love you. I am interested in you. I forgive you. And then we read his word, and he tells us, you are my child. You are a part of my my family. You're a part of my kingdom. I've chosen you. I love you. I care about you. God says, I want your family to be a part of my family. That's what Connor did. Maybe that's something you need to think about doing. Have you been baptized into Christ? Have you ever declared, I want to be a follower of Christ because the path that Christ has laid out before me is better than any other path that anyone has ever laid down? I want to be a part of Christ. I want to be a part of his church. I want to be a part of his family. Have you been baptized into Christ? If you've never been baptized into Jesus Christ, Jesus wants you to do that. He he asks you to do that, to give your life to him. That's a conversation that I would like to have with you about how you go about giving your life to Jesus. We can talk about that and you can do that. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are a Christian, think about the words you say and how you serve and be the voice and the hands and the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the grace that you have and the mercy that you have and the patience that you have. Thank you for teaching us how to do life well. Help us to do that. Help us to share you wherever we go. We ask this in the name of Jesus, and amen.